Well, good morning. Today is Palm Sunday. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, wait, what? It's Palm Sunday? And Palm Sunday, for those of you who don't know what that is, is the Sunday before Easter. Next week is actually Easter. And for some of us, we might be thinking, man, how did that happen? That, that kind of came out of nowhere. But the truth of the matter is, is that we kind of had some things to keep us, keep our minds busy, right? And things kind of just seem to be changing every so often, quickly or, or unexpectedly. And in the midst of all of that, we may have just forgot that Easter's here. But while things change and life changes, one thing remains the same. Jesus is still alive. Jesus, who was nailed to a cross and who died to pay a price for you and me, was put into a tomb and then three days later walked out alive, eternally victorious. And that has not changed. And so we have reason to celebrate. So next week is Easter, but today actually starts Easter week. And so I encourage you to celebrate that good news of Jesus. Celebrate it today, celebrate it tomorrow, all this week as we prepare our hearts for this celebration of Easter. But as we do that, let me remind you that we're in a series called Fake News. And Fake News, what we've done in this series is we've taken a look at different thoughts, uh, different ideas that people think are in the Bible, but they're really not. Uh, we've taken a look at different fake news that people believe, but they're really not in the Bible. And then what we've done is we've taken a look at the Bible and seen what it actually says. But this concept of fake news, this concept of thinking that something is in the Bible that really isn't there is not new to us. In fact, it's happened for a long time. In fact, there are people in the Bible who actually fell to the same problem of fake news. Some of those people we're going to learn about today. I said that today is Palm Sunday. And you might be like, what? if you've never heard of that, you might be like, what is he saying? Palm Sunday refers to palms, palm trees. You know, like if you've ever been to Florida, maybe you've been to Disney World or someplace like that. And when you're flying in, you, you come in and there's palm trees. I grew up seeing palm trees because my grandfather lived in Puerto Rico. And in the summers, I would go to Puerto Rico and stay with him during the summer. And, and I love seeing palm trees. And palm trees are a very big part of our story today, only because of a small detail that we kind of like to just show. Here's what really was happening. Jesus had come and lived a life amongst us. And he had done all these amazing miracles. He had done all these amazing teachings. And he had done all this stuff. But when Jesus came, he was sent to eventually die for our sins, to die to pay for a price for us. So that week leading up to when Jesus would finally be arrested and nailed to a cross and all that, Jesus goes into the city of Jerusalem. What he does first is he goes and he tells his disciples, his disciples were uh, those who were following Jesus, those who were closest to Jesus. They had done life with Jesus. They were his friends. Uh, they were those who just 
had been there from the beginning and had, and had been there through the good times and the bad and the in-between. He tells his disciples this interesting kind of request. He says, go and find this donkey, this colt. And he gives these specific instructions for that. And once he goes and he gets it, he rides into the city of Jerusalem. And as he's riding into the city of Jerusalem, the people begin to cheer. It's kind of like, uh, uh, like a, a parade, almost like when someone wins a Super Bowl or a World Series. Now, I know uh, that that right now is not something that we can think of much because sports are kind of like on hiatus. But think back to when the Eagles won or, or when the Phillies won the World Series and, and all of that joy. Think back of that. Think of that when you're thinking of Palm Sunday. And as Jesus is riding into the city, people were taking down these branches off of palm trees and throwing them into the streets for him to ride on top of. And they were shouting this word called Hosanna, Hosanna. And so that's what happened on Palm Sunday. And it kind of is the beginning of the end of Jesus's life up until when he dies on a cross and is put into a tomb. And that's what happens in Palm Sunday. But I told you that fake news happened even then. You see, the people thought that what God's word said, what the scriptures of what we would call the Bible, what it said meant one thing. And so they were excited about something, but what they were excited about wasn't exactly what was being said. In fact, uh, one of the things that they're said is in Matthew, when they're shouting and they're cheering and the parade is going on, they actually quote uh, something from the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible when before Jesus hap- uh, occurred, before his life. And one of the prophets, it says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. See to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Remember I told you, he gave these interesting instructions to get this donkey, to get this colt. Well, they hear that, but they misunderstand what it means. You see, they were dealing with incomplete news. When it came to Palm Sunday, they were dealing with incomplete news. And that happened in regards to three different things. The king that I just mentioned of, and they were incomplete and misunderstanding the role of the king, but also Jesus's role as a prophet and a priest. You see, back then, uh, during the times of Israel, before Jesus, and even during the time of Jesus, there was a king. A king ruled their people. And the people were, were looking for that king, but they were looking for a national king. You see, their country had been taken over by Rome. And when Rome took over, their identity fell apart. And so when they're looking for a king, they're looking for a national king. But Jesus wasn't just a national king. He was an eternal king, the king of the universe, the king of kings. So what they were looking for was actually incomplete. On top of that, if we read through the Bible a little bit, we'll say, isn't, they'll say, uh, some of the crowd will say, this is Jesus of Nazareth, this great prophet. And a prophet during that time uh, and during the time of the Old Testament was someone who spoke for God. And sometimes they did some weird things. Sometimes they did some crazy things. Sometimes they did miraculous things. And Jesus did some miraculous things and some weird things as well. Jesus spoke for God. He was a prophet, but Jesus was also God himself. And because of Jesus, we were able to 
speak directly to God and hear directly from him because Jesus was, as we read in the Christmas story, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Incomplete news. Missed news because it was incomplete. Finally, they were looking for a new priest. During that time in the religious uh, traditions and customs of the day, uh, the priest would offer a sacrifice. They would sacrifice an animal to satisfy the sins of the people. Jesus wasn't just the priest like they saw in their own religious customs. He would be the priest that would offer his own life as a sacrifice that would once and for all pay the price for all the sins. Incomplete news. Incomplete news about a king. Incomplete news about a prophet. Incomplete news about a priest. Incomplete news. And because it was incomplete, it was missed news. It was missed news. They missed it. They missed the news. And what was interesting is that it wasn't just the crowds of the people. It wasn't just the crowds of the people or the, or the people in the city that missed the news or, or didn't get who Jesus was. It was also his disciples, the people that I just talked about, his friends, the people who were close to him, the people who did life with him, the people who saw all of those miracles and all of those things, they missed it. In fact, we read in John chapter 12, verse 16, it says, at first, his disciples did not understand all of this. It's referring to when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Only after Jesus was glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. The disciples, the people who actually knew Jesus best, missed the good news. During this past few weeks, uh, one of the things that uh, I have done as a family uh, with my family has been to watch some movies. Uh, we, we play some board games on some of the nights and then we watch some movies on some of the other nights. And one of the movies that we ended up watching was The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Now, if you were to look up The Secret Life of Walter Mitty on Rotten Tomatoes, it would have a horrible review. Uh, nobody really liked this movie, but I, for whatever reason, I actually liked the movie. And what happens in this movie is that um, Walter Mitty has... He works for Life Magazine, and he has this active imagination. He constantly imagines himself and daydreams and goes and zones out, and that kind of gets him into trouble. Well, Life Magazine is closing. It's shutting it down and going fully online. But before it does that, Walter Mitty has sent this final cover. It's sent by this photographer who just travels all around the world. He sent this final negative, which for all of you kids, is how we actually got pictures back then with actual film. Uh, but he sent this negative uh, to, for the final cover of life. But he can't find it. And so he doesn't know what to do. And so what ends up happening in the movie is that Walter Mitty, who daydreams, has, has never done anything but simply daydream about things in his life, actually goes on an adventure that is greater than his daydreams. And he travels around the whole world. He finally finds a photographer. And what ends up happening, and I'm going to give you a spoiler because apparently no one likes the movie, so no one's going to see it anyway. Uh, what ends up happening is that the photographer tells him that he had had that negative the whole time. He had put it in a wallet for Walter to have. 
But Walter, not realizing what the wallet was, threw it away. Now, I'm not going to spoil the complete ending of that. But what's interesting in the movie is that Walter's mom had actually told Walter about where that negative was. But Walter had zoned out and hadn't heard it. Everything that he was looking for, he actually had already had. It was right there with him. But because of his own thoughts and his own dreams, he missed what was right there for him. The disciples missed what was right there for him because of their own dreams. Their dreams of a national king who would take away this rule of Rome. Their, their dreams of, of this, uh, this freedom for their country and their people. They missed what was right there with them. And what's amazing is Jesus knew that they missed it. He knew that they missed the news. And what is his reaction? When Jesus comes up to Jerusalem and he sees it and he knows that they missed the news, Jesus' heart breaks. His heart breaks. In Luke chapter 19, we read of this. It's right before he, 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 uh, he goes into Jerusalem and it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He didn't just cry little tears. He didn't have the sniffles. He didn't just kind of uh, like just, just do these little cries. He wept. These are sobs of sorrow. He's got these sobs of sorrow. He wept over it and said, if even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus is, is right before he enters the city, and he's looking at it and he goes, I am what will bring you peace. All of the angst, all of the fear, all that you are feeling right now, I am the answer for that. I am the source of peace that you're looking for. But you don't see it. You don't see me. You're missing the news. You're missing me. And Jesus weeps. He cries huge sobs of sorrow. And my question is when I read that and I, and I just see this heart of Jesus just breaking as he looks at the people of Jerusalem, as he looks at how they're missing the news. There's good news that is available to them. There's good news that will bring peace and they're missing it. And his heart breaks. I'm left with a question. Does my heart break for the same reasons that Jesus' heart broke? When it comes to my family members, when it comes to uh, those in my, my community, when it comes to uh, those who I know, friends or different people who don't know the good news of Jesus, who are missing who Jesus is, does my heart break? Does it get filled with the sorrow that Jesus' heart got filled with? Or do I simply walk around so consumed with my own thoughts, so consumed with my, my own worries, so consumed with my own desires that I don't even give it a second glance or a second thought. If I have claimed the truth of the good news of Jesus, if I have claimed the truth of who Jesus is and, and the result of that truth, then my heart should break 
the same way that Jesus' heart breaks. When I look at someone, when I think of someone that I know who has missed the good news of Jesus. And so we have in this story, both incomplete news and missed news. There's a celebration going on. There's people acting the right way. They're saying the right words. The words they're saying are correct. The things that they're doing are correct, but their hearts are missing it. It's incomplete in what they are seeing. And actually the whole truth is missed. And so in this story, we have incomplete news and missed news. But what is the true news? You know, we're reading this. We have the privilege of reading it, knowing how the story progresses and knowing how the story will end. What is the true news? How do we get to the point where we don't walk around with incomplete news and we don't walk around with missed news? What is the true news? Well, the true news is what brings us peace. When Jesus' heart breaks and says, if you only knew what would bring you peace, the true news lets us know the source of that peace. In 1 John chapter 1, we read this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we, came to ha- if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The true news actually starts with bad news. The true news starts with the bad news of the fact that we all, as Charles has said before uh, this week, we all are subjected to the virus of sin. We all carry that virus. God is a holy God. That means he is complete. He is perfect. He is whole. There's there's nothing wrong in God. God is 100% completely perfect perfect. But I'm not. And neither are you. No one is. And so the bad news is that we, as in this passage says, are not like God who is filled with light. We have darkness in us because of sin. And the bad news is there's a consequence to that. But the bad news leads to good news. The good news is that God makes a way to make us whole. God makes a way to forgive us our sins. And that way was Jesus. The good news is Jesus. How do we respond to the good news? What do we need to do with this good news? This message we have heard and that people for thousands of years, starting with Jesus and the disciples have declared. How do we respond to this message? Well, if you're new to Calvary Church, 
Um, oftentimes you'll hear Charles uh, preach the sermon. Charles has been uh, teaching us for years and years, and he's a gifted communicator and a gifted uh, preacher, and uh, he's just, frankly, really smart. Uh, and I have the privilege of not just working with Charles, but I've been here not just as a staff member, but I also came here first as just an attender. And I've had the privilege of just learning under Charles as well. And I remember something that Charles said a little bit ago. Uh, this might have been a few years ago. He was talking about our response to the good news, the true news. And he gave four words. The four words were admission, confession, absolution, and mission. Let me explain those words. Admission. Well, what we just read and that description of that darkness, that sin, I need to admit that that's me. That that description actually describes me. Because usually what I want to describe myself as is a pretty good person. That's not what the Bible described me as. That sin and darkness, that is me. And I need to get to a point where I actually admit that. Then we get confession. We're actually not telling something to God that he doesn't already know. In fact, when we talk about confession, we're just agreeing with God, what God is already saying. Confession is just that agreement of God's, um, of the way that God views us in our sin. And it includes this act of repentance in that confession, this act of asking for forgiveness, for saying sorry. And when we do that, when we ask for forgiveness, when we realize that forgiveness only comes through Jesus, and when we choose Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord, when we do that, then what happens is this fancy word that Charles uses is called absolution. Charles was a seminary professor, and so he likes to use fancy words so that it makes him sound even smarter than he is. I was not a professor, and in fact, I still watch cartoons. So I rely on Charles to help me with these fancy words. But let me explain to you what absolution means. Absolution is simply this, that based on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, we are forgiven. That we are completely forgiven of our sins. That's what absolution is. And if we go through that process of admission, confession, and understanding absolution, then finally we understand that fourth word. We are on mission. We are on mission. You see, we are to continue what Jesus started. We are to continue the mission that he started, bringing this true news to everyone who has missed the news or who has incomplete news. We are to bring the good news so that lives can be changed. We are on mission. And so for today, I have two homework assignments in regards to that mission. The two homework assignments is this. The first one is, I want you to encourage three people this week. I want you to encourage three people. Send a text of encouragement, or better yet, pick up the phone and call them and tell them something encouraging. 
FaceTime them, see them face to face. Contact someone who you haven't contacted yet during this season and encourage them. Three people. Why do I want you to encourage people? I want you to be the gospel. I want you to be the living example of the good news of Jesus. And I want you to do that by loving one another, loving someone else, loving someone through encouragement. Why do I want you to do that? Because of the second assignment. I want you to invite someone to our Easter services. You see, the truth of the matter is, is that the good news is still good news. Whether it's taught in this room or taught online or taught wherever, the good news never changes. The good news is good news. And so we want people to hear that good news and hear that true news so that their lives can be changed. So invite someone to our Easter services so they can hear that true news next week. What do I want you to do this week? I want you to be the gospel so people can hear the gospel. Let's be the gospel so that those around us who need to hear the gospel can hear it. Because the first message of the gospel that someone may experience is actually your interaction with them. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the first day of Easter week. Let's celebrate Easter by being the gospel and bringing it to those that we know so that they can hear the gospel and that their lives can be changed forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the true news, the true news of Jesus. I thank you personally for you just opening my eyes so that I don't miss that news or so that I don't just grab onto it in an incomplete way. Thank you for changing my life with that true news. God, I ask you that you would let our hearts be filled with an excitement this week. Easter's coming. No matter what it is that we face in our lives, Easter's coming. And Easter is a reminder of the hope that we cling to, knowing that you sent your son for us. And that Jesus walked out of that tomb eternally victorious and will one day come back and claim us back. And that everything will be restored and be perfect. That because of Jesus, we can look forward to the one day where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, and no more sickness. Let that true news of Jesus just resound in our heart. Let it just be something that we cannot help but think about. Let it be something that just comes into our minds during times when we want to just stress out about something and let it remind us in a way that we would just be filled with peace and excitement. We thank you. and We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this service. But before you go... I want to let you know of a really exciting opportunity that we all have to share together this week. The staff has put together a daily devotional. It's actually going to begin today, Palm Sunday, and it will run every day through next Monday. 
and you're going to be uh, given pass a passage and some words of devotion, as well as some prayer requests mentioned that we're going to invite you, as well as all of Calvary Church, join together as we pray together. Most of those references are going to come from the Gospel of John. So let me start you thinking about our devotional by reminding you of the triumphal entry that Carlos just spoke of. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it was written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. The readings in the devotional will walk us through Palm Sunday to Easter. Please join us each day as we travel together from Palm Sunday to Easter.